The Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. And happy Wednesday to you. It's the 21st day of October. Beautiful outside as we're into the mid-50s now. We'll have a weather report coming up in about 20 minutes or so. But, uh, hey, we've got an opportunity now to get to know some of the candidates running for office here in southern Utah. For the next uh, 20 minutes or so, we'll focus on State House Seat 75. That's the House of Representatives for the state of Utah. The two candidates are Rebecca Sullivan and Walt Brooks. Rebecca is on the phone with me right now. Good morning, Rebecca. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the air today and uh, just spending a few minutes. Uh, I think it's important we get to know someone like you because, honestly, Rebecca, I don't know that we've met. And, and, and so I'd, I'd really like if you would tell me a little bit about yourself and why you're running. Oh, thank you for having me on and for that question. Um, yes, I grew up in Ogden, and mm-hmm. like many people in the area, I worked at the IRS Service Center. I married... I had two children, and then I divorced. Uh, shortly after, I transferred out of state for promotional opportunities. When I retired, I, had, I was a GS-14, Associate Chief of the Appeals Division, nice. with 12 administrative judges and six auditors reporting to me. Wow. After retirement, I decided to change careers, so I became a financial advisor for Prudential Securities. And then when I retired, retired, I sold my house, invested my money, and went and traveled around the world for five years uh, to see things. I was back briefly in the United States after all of my travels, and my uh, gentleman that I had worked with years before actually paid a search service to find me. He remembered me, and we got together. And now we've been happily married for 14 years. Very good. That's so, a storybook, yeah. storybook tale there. I love it. I know. Storybook ending anyway. <laughs> awesome. Now, how long have you been in southern Utah? Uh, I, we moved here in 2008. Okay. We, did a, uh, we went around the southwest. We lived up in Washington State at the time. We took a trip around the southwest because we wanted warm weather and not so much rain. And when we got to St. George, this was it. Yeah, if you're looking for a place with not much rain, you got it. (laughs) Yeah, I know, especially now, huh? We we, we get rain. We get rain uh, once or twice a year, and it rains for a couple of inches, and then it quits again. (laughs) Yeah, and I love it, really. As long as we have enough water, that's all I'm worried about. Tell me about your decision to run for office. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't a small decision in your life. That was a big decision. Now, here's the question. Why would a senior woman want to run for office? A good question. And I know. Anyway, I'm running because in Utah, we don't get what we vote for. I've lived in three other states, and when we voted in a proposition or initiative, our legislators made it happen. Hmm. happen. Here they change it. How could they do that? You know, I did some research on this, and I found that Utah is one of 11 states where our Constitution allows the legislature to overturn voter initiatives with a simple majority vote, and they do. For example, look what they did with Props 2 and 3. Mm -hmm. In our state, registered voters are 47% Republicans, yet through gerrymandering, they hold 78% of the elected positions. 
gerrymandered to a supermajority, they can do anything they want, and they do. Think about it this way. It's a cheat, so only they can be elected. Proposition 4, redistricting, is going to be decided next year. Watch this closely. I do not believe, based on experience, they're going to honor what we voted for. Why would they give up power after 30 years of, ger- of perfecting the gerrymandered districts? They will not. So we need to do two, two things as voters. The first, we need to vote them out. The second, we need to amend our state constitution to take out that simple majority vote to overturn our propositions. Now, if you think that this could be radical, it's not. Utah's amended the state constitution 17 times since 2006. And matter of fact, we have seven proposed constitutional amendments on this ballot. Yeah. But as you notice, there's no constitutional amendment to take out that simple majority vote. No. So that is what got me to run. Got, got you fired up. Okay. Uh, well, it did. It fired me up. Well said. Thank you, Rebecca. Now, uh, some of the issues are uh, obviously very hot right now, and uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to get your take on, on your position on these things. One of them is the mask mandate. Now, uh, uh, you know, the governor has said the mask, you know, is kind of mandated, but it's not a law. It's not a rule. Where do you stand on uh, wearing masks and whether or not that should be mandated all over the state of Utah? You know, with COVID cases on the increase, and actually I have a neighbor down the street that has had COVID now, and he's 88 years old. It, uh, it's a nice thing that he recovered. But I think that it really should be a mask mandate, period. I want this behind us so bad. I want to go out and live a normal life just like everybody else that almost feels taken hostage because of I'm in the medical condition that if I got it, uh, it would be very serious. And the same with my husband. So I want mask mandate statewide. Okay. Utah is uh, 49th in the, of the 50 states in uh, funding per pupil in education. Uh, what's your position on that? Although, they, although Utah does test fairly well still, it seems like we're, we're spending very little money on, on the school kids. You know, the last time I looked it up, uh, which was just a few months ago, I, you, I found that Utah has the lowest funding per student in the United States, and actually we're number 51 when you count in Washington, D.C. And Utah also has the highest number of students per classroom in the United States. Again, we're ranked as number 51. So, you know, our schools now are paid, funded solely through our income tax and some property taxes. At the uh, current rate of income tax of 5%, our schools are woefully underfunded right now. So, you know, I kind of want to go into, if you don't mind, no, go ahead. this constitutional amendment, G, that's on our current ballot. Right. Where it w- is saying, okay, let's move children and the disabled, you know, in with the schools. Uh, and fund them that way. Well, right now, our Constitution says that 
our schools are paid for, for solely by our property taxes. If you pierce that shield and let in anything else, then it opens it up to have our dedicated funding go to other things. So I'm not in favor for of that. And then in further researching out, I found that children and the disabled are already funded to the tune of $600 million through other means. So why put it under uh, our schools and our income tax? No, not unless they can give us a darn good reason. No. Okay, awesome. Uh, one of the hot topics here in southern Utah, the name Dixie, it uh, has deemed by some to be offensive as it harkens back to uh, you know, the name used in a lot of Civil War songs. What's your feeling about the name Dixie? Uh, is that something that should go away, or is that something that you're okay with? Uh, you know, Dixie, I've, I've got mixed feelings on it. Personally, I think that we're in a time of change, and to upgrade this also with that change. And we have a lot of people from out of state moving in. So I, I know it's a controversial issue. If we can't reach a really a bottom line decision on this, let's put it on our ballot and let the people decide, should we or shouldn't we rename it? Yeah, very good. Let the people decide. I like that. Uh, one last question. We've already, believe it or not, we've already used up almost 10 minutes. Uh, BLM has had some, uh, some, some peaceful protests, but there have also been some violent protests. Uh, BLM accuses uh, many Americans and many Utahns even of being, uh, having a racist problem, being systemically racist. How do you feel about uh, this topic, Rebecca? I'm being six. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, Utah, one of the nice things about it, we've got so many missionaries that travel all over the world, and I think that we're very open to uh, different cultures and mm. changes and things like that. And so I wouldn't say that we're uh, inherently racist. Awesome. Rebecca, we have used up our 10 minutes. Thank you so much for coming on. You're well-spoken. You did a great job. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for asking me. All right. Okay. Have a good day. You too. Rebecca Sullivan running for State House uh, Seat 75 against Walt Brooks. We will hear from Walt Brooks when we come back right after this timeout. Welcome back to the program. We're getting to know our candidates here this week and next week. Uh, we just heard from Rebecca Sullivan, who is running for State House 75. And uh, now let's hear from Walt Brooks. Walt's on the phone with me. How you doing, Walt? I'm great. Good morning. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. I know 10 minutes is not a lot of time. It's funny. I, I'll, I'll ask people to be on the radio, and they'll say, all right, you got 10 minutes. They're like, oh, how can I ever fill 10 minutes? Let me tell you, it goes fast. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to answer, answer any questions you have for me. Let's uh, let's start off by talking about education. Uh, it's it's no secret that Utah spends less per pupil than just about any any other state in the United States, uh, and yet we test okay. So, uh, what's your opinion on that? Do we need to spend more money on educating young people? Oh, I'd love to spend more money on, on education. You know, I, I come from a family of teachers. My dad was my math teacher. My aunt mm -hmm. was my English teacher. My brother was a teacher. My wife actually teaches first grade. I would love to get classroom size down. But what we have to look at is the whole picture. I'm afraid oftentimes we look at one segment too myopically, and we can't see that what's really going on. Utah pays more of their budget than any other state to education. So the biggest portion of our budget goes to education. No other state does that. So how is it that we give more money, uh, percentage-wise, 
but still have the least amount per pupil unit. And it's because Utah, we love our families and we have big families. Yes, we do. I have five kids in my son. So <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the equation for it, period. Um, and so I think we should do everything we can, but throwing more money at it always doesn't give better results. As, um, you probably already know that Utah taste tests up around the 14th state, up in that range um, from our students. You know, and so that shows that our teachers are doing a fantastic job with little resources, and I'd love to get them as much resources as possible, and we give as most of our budget to them than any other state. And, and kudos to those teachers who have uh, been out there teaching in this COVID-19 time with uh, with all the restrictions yeah. involved there as, as well. In fact, that kind of leads me into the next next question for you, Walt. Um, the mask mandate. Uh, there are a lot of there's a movement out there that thinks that uh, they shouldn't be. That nobody should tell us that we have to wear a mask. While others, uh, like the governor in particular, are saying, "Well, we we need to have a mandate so we can nip COVID nineteen in the bud." What are your thoughts? Um, well, I have, I have two different points to that. One is I think things should be done more locally. We have an amazing doctor, Doctor Blodgett, down in, in Southern Utah, mm-hmm. who's an epidemiologist, and he he knows his stuff. And Southern Utah is different from Salt Lake, and Kane County is different from Park City. And, and we, I mean, we're bigger than several states combined together back east. We need to be able to have um, some reason and logic of where these outbreaks are happening and how to handle them. The second thing is, is we are bypassing the, the legislative process. You know, there's a lot of people saying masks are their savior. We're going to be all saved if we wear these masks. But there's also really legitimate doctors and physicians that say masks are not solving the problem. So why are we not having that debate? Why are we not going through the, the details and getting the good data to come up with a good solution? It feels like we're only hearing one side of the story rather than getting both sides to get good data to make a good decision. So I, I kind of have a problem with both things. I think the governor is legislating authority, which is not his right. His right is to have executive powers to do what he's supposed to, to execute the law, and I think he's bypassing that. Um, whether the masks are good or bad, we are missing some crucial data from people that, that are professionals in this field to give us the good data we need to make those decisions. Well well said. Okay, uh, uh, real, real quick, let me back up a second. State House 75, uh, I, maybe we haven't explained to everybody what exactly that is and who would be voting uh, for or against you. Well, what does is, what is the seat 75 entail? So District 75 goes down to Virgin River on the south end mm-hmm. and I-15 on the east and over to about um, – Albertsons over there near um, St. George and Santa Clara border. And then it goes all the way up um, Highway 18. So Winchester, Dameron, Pine Valley, Enterprise, and Gunlock are all in District 75. Okay, very good. That uh, hopefully makes it things a little bit clearer for people. I know it does for me. Uh, the name Dixie, uh, D- Dixie Regional Medical Center has announced it's going to change its name. Of course, that's a private, privately owned property, mm-hmm. and that's their right. Now there's talk of Dixie State University changing its name. In fact, the university has... Uh, commissioned a study to find out if uh, what you know what people think about the name dixie i'm curious as to your take on what you think of the name dixie well i think dixie's great in fact uh, i asked my intern who is a black girl from virginia mm-hmm. who's going to dsu and i asked her what she thought just to have any undertones of racism and she goes i thought it was a cute name and if we look at the attendance of dixie we have more um, attending Dixie who are minorities or of a different race than the regular Caucasian. So why are they coming to this terrible racist school if Dixie is, is racist? I, I find it interesting that people are attacking the name Dixie because of its ties to racism. Well, what about the word Democrat who are actually fighting for slavery and fighting to, against the rights of black people? Why, why is it just a Dixie name? 
Um, I'm completely against changing the name Dixie. It's a community school. It serves the community. And the word Dixie in Southern Utah stands for people who have deep faith, deep trust, hard work. People are, are going to persevere because this is not an easy climate. Even now with all the luxuries we have, um, it, you really still have to put forth some effort to be here. And I think that is the kind of the backbone of what Dixie stands for. We're talking with Walt Brooks, a District 75, running for State House. Uh, Walt, uh, the BLM has had some peaceful protests, uh, but there have been some violent protests as well. Uh, they contend that uh, a good portion of America is uh, systemically racist. What are your feelings on what's going on with the BLM? Well, I, I think the BLM is basically a Marxist group. It's, it's my way or the highway. I think it goes in contrary to what the republic stands for. We have ways to change laws, and that's through peaceful means, through voting, through legislation. And everybody has the right to participate. Like myself, I don't consider myself a politician. I never was involved in politics. But I came to a position in my life and says, you know what, if I'm going to want something to change, I need to do something about it. I think um, the Sullivan, who's running, is doing the same thing, which I commend her for. Mm -hmm. I mean, people need to stand up and, and do what they feel is best. And then we have great citizens who I trust deeply who go and look at the candidates and see what they stand for and vote for the person that represents them. That is the way that we have peace in our country for so long. It's because we do have a way to make change that represents the whole. And I don't actually think Black Lives Matter represents the whole. Yeah, all right. Okay, let's talk about growth a little bit. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, the, the right to own property and live where you want is, is a, it's a God-given right in this country for sure. Uh, but uh, the growth has really gone crazy here lately, especially in St. George. What are your feelings on growth and the things that uh, St. George has to do to be ready for the influx of people? Well, I think that the only really role of government is to provide those um, infrastructure needs that we have in our, in for our safety. So police force, sheriff's departments, water, you know, electricity, roads, that kind of stuff that really allows us to have the quality of life that we, what we desire. Um, I would love to be um, St. George to be like it was when I grew up in 1978, you know, where I had my 22 on my bicycle, where I did delivered papers, and there's, I don't know, 30,000 people or less. But who's to say that the people can't come here? I, I know there's a issue about the Lake Powell Pipeline that people want to stop to stop growth. And it's always interesting to me that people want to stop growth after they've got here. Um, you know, the Quell Creek was an expensive project. And I remember my dad, who had eight kids being a school teacher, having to pay with property tax for that, that um, thing. So he had a place for his children to be able to, to live in this dry climate. So how many people are don't want this kind of growth that have moved here after 1978 that Quill Creek allowed them to be here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big believer on, on people's individual rights, and part of that is their property rights. And if someone wants to develop their, their property, well, they should have the, uh, the ability to do that. And it fits within our republic where there are some restrictions because someone's property might affect the, the benefit of the neighboring property. Like if someone wanted to put a butcher shop next to me and raise cows in my backyard, that would affect my, my going out and having a nice barbecue, yeah. you know, that so we do have a Republic where we can make these lines and help draw that division. But we need to make sure that we are standing for rules and laws that stand for the individual and their rights. Well, we've almost used up our 10 minutes. Do you want to make any kind of final statement before I let you go? Well, I, I'm just really happy for the opportunity I've had to serve here. I was went up to the Capitol kind of bristled. I was going to fight against everything. And I realized that, 
there are a lot of good people there doing what they feel is best, even if they disagree. Some of those Democrats that are representing their constituents, they believe it, and they're fighting for what they believe in, and I have respect for them. And I think I need to do what I need to by standing up for what I believe in, and that is our constitutional republic for the individual rights and our rights for freedom, to be able to respect our religion, to be able to go to any church we want or not to, to be able to stand for our Second Amendment rights. All those things that uh, allow America to be exceptional, I think we need to stand up and have a louder voice for those things. Well said. All right, thank you. He is Walt Brooks running for, uh, again, uh, re-elect uh, into the State House uh, seat, uh, District 75. Walt, thank you so much. Thank you. You have a great day. Great to talk to you. We heard from Walt and Rebecca running for that State House seat 75. Walt is a Republican. Rebe- Rebecca is the Democrat. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll focus on County Commission seat C. This is the only county uh, commission seat available in this election. They're staggering and there's going to be some more next time around but uh, right now these uh, this is the only seat available. It's uh, Dean Cox and Robert Love will join me here on the air on the Andy Griffin Show. Good morning, everybody. It's 8, 9.35, not 8.35. It's 9.35 on News Radio 94.9, 890 KDXU. We've got candidates on all this week and next week. Uh, right now, Dean Cox joins me. Dean Cox actually in studio, not in my studio, but he's in a studio right now. How are you doing, Dean? I'm doing really good. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Dean is the incumbent. Uh, he is the current county commissioner, seat C, I guess. I, does that really mean That's anything? Or Correct. It, it just really... Uh signifies which election cycle I'm on. Okay. A and B are on one two-year cycle, and C is on the other. Would you clarify again uh, how they are kind of splitting that up now? Because it, it, was, it, it got to the point where you're the only one running this time, and then the next election everybody would have been on except you, and, and so they're, they're changing that a little bit. Well, it actually has been changed. So it's in 2016, changed. I was the only one running, and, okay. and in uh, 2017, uh, the legislature changed the law to stagger those, so they extended the terms of some of the candidates for two years. So uh, I actually have other candidates who are running this time with me, but they're all unopposed. Uh, and so okay. they we, fixed that. Will you talk about maybe with the – I'm asking you a little bit different questions than we asked uh, the state senators and, and, and state congressmen. Uh, maybe just talk about the county. What – what are the biggest issues right now that you're dealing with as a county commissioner and, and, and that you will have to deal with over the, over the next few years if you win? You know, for me, it's uh, dealing with the uh, growth and expansion that the county is experiencing. It uh, is moving at an unbelievable rate, and I believe the uh, pandemic has accelerated that. It's stepped on the gas pedal, and... There are so many things that we need to do to stay on top of that so that we do not uh, destroy the quality of life that has brought us here in the first place. I have a kind of a long time look at things having grown up in St. George mm-hmm. and uh, infrastructure has always been one of the things that uh, we've been dealing with. In fact, when the first pioneers came into the area, they dug a ditch around the bottom of the Black Hill Mm-hmm. to get water into town, and then they developed the springs on the east and west side of the Red Hill. In the 1930s, uh, the CCC uh, boys uh, dug uh, trenches and piped water from the base of Pine Valley Mountain into St. George. Each one of those improvements has extended 
uh, the growth cycle and allowed more of our children to remain here and others to move here. In 1972, I was in the 12th grade when Gunlock Reservoir was brought online, followed by wells in Snow Canyon and Washington. Uh, In 1983, they did Quail Lake and opened that up, and that has really done a lot to uh, provide the water that we need. In 2003, Sand Hollow Reservoir was brought on. And so, Andy, I think some of these projects are really almost generational. They're 20 years apart, and it takes forethought and planning to plan for what is coming. And we could stick our head in the sand, but the reality Mm -hmm. is... We have 35,000 kids in our uh, K-12 through schools. Some of them are going to want to live here, and others are going to want to move here. And so it's infrastructure is uh, my main focus. That uh, I can't help it. It leads me right into the Lake Powell Pipeline. And I wasn't necessarily going to talk about this, but uh, Lake Powell Pipeline, is that necessary? Do, do we have to have that? Well, I think it's, it's one of the logical next steps. It's... Uh, it's certainly something that they've been working on for a long time. Uh, we've just, uh, Secretary Bernhardt asked the Washington County Water Conservancy District to uh, ask for a hold on that. And you have to understand the reason why a little bit. Uh, on the Columbia River Basin, uh, virtually every drop of that water is adjudicated and litigated by a judge. They'll dry up farms so that they could keep fish alive Hmm. in Sacramento Valley. Really? Uh, But every every drop of water has been uh, litigated. Secretary Bernhardt doesn't want to see that happen to the Colorado River. And so what he's asking for is for the states to work with each other and and come to a... uh, non-litigated settlement of how that can best work. So I can see his benefit to that, but yes, I think we do need that water, and I support the Lake Powell Pipeline. The Dixie name has been in the news lately. Uh, Dixie Regional Medical Center announced it will be changing the name on January 1st, uh, and uh, Dixie State has uh, commissioned a study about the Dixie name to find out uh, if they can do a study on whether or not that uh, it is found offensive to some people. What's your opinion on the name Dixie? You know, I grew up with the name Dixie, and uh, seven of my eight grandparents were in the first 309 families that came here and attempted to grow cotton Hmm. and establish a settlement. Uh, I know where the name Dixie came from. I graduated from Dixie High School and Dixie College. The name is uh, dear to me. I recognize that there are some that uh, may not understand the heritage and background that we've got, and so I feel that one of our uh, main things that we need to do for our friends and visitors as they come here is teach them uh, through uh, storyboards and, and uh, educational media why they see a Dixie on the Red Hill or a D on the Black Hill because I know it's confusing to some, but those of us who grow grew up here uh, totally understand it and love it. Black Lives Matter has been in the news, obviously. Uh, a lot of peaceful protests, but also some not-so-peaceful protests. Uh, they have made statements such as uh, uh, all people are, are racist or there's a systemic racism. Uh, how do you feel about BLM? Well, I, I think that uh, probably there are a few people who may have pure hearts and intents, but for me, all lives matter. Uh, mm-hmm. The Constitution guarantees that all men are created equally and that we 
receive our rights and those privileges from God and not from our government. And so I think that we don't want to lose sight of the ball, but certainly we want to ensure that the rights of minorities are protected, but the rights of all are protected as well. You know, Dean, uh, you have actually downplayed the fact that you've had some health challenges, and, and understandably so. That's a personal thing. But I'm sure there are people out there that are wondering, is Dean going to be healthy enough to serve for the next the next few years? How do you feel right now? you feel like you're going to be fine? You know, I feel really good, hmm. and, I, and I think I'll be fine. But honestly, I, I don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> you <and> don't? <laughs> it would have been great to have had a heads up that I would have a – uh, a little issue coming my way a year ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just have to tell you, I feel so blessed. I, f- I feel blessed by the miracle of science and the miracle of faith. I was reading last night uh, about uh, multiple myeloma, which is the cancer uh, that I'm in remission from, and the bone marrow transplant process and, and how tough it is. And I think back, man, I really had this good because it says, you know, most people won't return to work for three months and they're impacted for more than a year. And I uh, was able to come to work the very next, uh, you know, the next day after I got into town. And so I really uh, am so, so thankful for the blessings I enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Now we're talking with Dean Cox. He's running for county commission seat. See, he is the incumbent uh, coming back and, and Republican. Uh, Dean, you talked about growth. Uh, are there any other issues that may be kind of creeping up on Washington County that uh, are something we should be concerned about? There's always a lot of issues that yeah. uh, we should be concerned about. One of them that really has my attention is uh, the amount of crime that we're starting to see in our little valley. Uh, it seems as if every day when I read the newspaper, there's something happening in either Washington County or Iron County that was virtually unheard of in the little St. George that I grew up in. And so I look uh, forward to some criminal justice reform, but it has to be meaningful and it can't be just a revolving door because so many of these uh, cases that I read about are being perpetrated who are, by people who are out on bail and uh, I think we need to revisit and relook at that uh, just to make sure that we're keeping the safety of our population and our citizens at the top uh, of our priority list. And uh, if people are uh, accused of violent crimes and things like that, I think we've got to be very careful uh, about how quickly they're released. All right, Dean, that's uh, that's 10 minutes. I appreciate you coming in today. Always good to talk to you. And uh, thank you for uh, enlightening us a little bit. Thank you, Andy. It was a pleasure. He's Dean Cox. I'm Andy Griffin. Uh, Got to take a commercial break here, and then Robert Love will join us. He is the challenger for Dean Cox in that county commission seat. See, Robert Love is running as an independent. We'll talk to him uh, right after this timeout. Do want to thank Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a local loan consultant. His specialty is customer service. Uh, Joe Shoney has been a loan consultant in southern Utah for more than 25 years. And uh, he really, one of his best things is uh, keeping you in the loop. That just means that uh, every time there's any kind of change or any kind of paperwork or whatever that needs to be done, uh, he's going to give you a call. And he's going to say, hey, uh, just just so you're aware, this is happening. 
and it's with all kinds of loans, with the with the reverse mortgages, with a regular home loan, with a FHA loan, with a home equity line, with a refinance. Joe Shoney will help you out. Give him a call today at 435-590-6300. He's the guy that averages 4.91 out of five stars in uh, nearly 500 online reviews. Welcome back, Canada Wednesday. We've had we actually had several on uh, Monday, several on Tuesday. Uh, had uh, this will be our fourth one here on Wednesday. Uh, we'll take a break for the candidates for a couple of days, then we'll be back again on Monday and Wednesday of next week. Thanks for tuning in. Right now, I've got Robert Love on the phone line with me. Robert, how are you doing? Good morning, sir. How are you? I am great. Thank you for coming on the air. Uh, Robert is running for County Commission CC. We just had the incumbent Dean Cox on the air. Now we've got Robert with a chance to tell us a little bit about himself and why he's running. Robert, will you do that? Just kind of explain who you are and, and why you're doing this. Absolutely, sir. I'm a former law enforcement officer and advanced EMT. Um, I'm retired uh, from those due to medical issues. And so I thought the best way that I can continue to serve the community is to try and run for public office. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like you like to serve. We need more people like that, like you, uh, Robert, uh, someone that's uh, out willing to serve. I've been impressed with our younger generation too. A lot of them, uh, you know, they get a bad name, but a lot of them are out there, and, and all they want to do is serve other people. So that's really cool. Uh, can you explain uh, a little bit more about the county commission seat that you're running for? Why you want to be on there? And what what you want to do when you get there? Well, one of the things I'd like to do is I'm I'm from the um, I'm not from here. I'm from northern Nevada. And in northern Nevada, there was a lot of, well, you know, casinos dominate that area. But um, they had a good program there for their tourism. And I'd like to enhance, like, the room tax type thing Mm -hmm. um, where we can use that more funds from our our events and bring better events into the county and then help balance out some of the, like, burden of the property taxes and stuff. How long have you been in Southern Utah, Robert? Since uh, 2013. Okay, so you say you're not from here, but you've been here a little while, so you you know the ins and outs of Southern Utah. You probably have noticed in, in the last seven years you've been here the incredible growth that this uh, area is experiencing. Uh, as a county commissioner, what are some of the things that maybe you need to uh, be aware of and be mindful of uh, when in dealing with that growth? Well, we need to know where our resources come from like water and how we can um furnish yet control um control that at the same time i believe um the lake pal pipeline would help with the current growth um and issues like that that would that would come my way as a county commissioner um i also want to make washington county a second amendment sanctuary and what does that what does that mean exactly That means that we have a guaranteed right, whether we have it in the Constitution or not, that we can't come in here, some commissioner or some legislature or whatever, can't come in and alter our gun rights um, with any type of laws. I think that uh, that probably is an issue that would go over pretty well in this county. Uh, We we, we like our guns, Robert. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, mask mandate. What what kind of power would you have, or would you have any power when the governor says there needs to be a mask mandate? Are are you for or against that? And and what would you do if if you know in either case? Well, I'm against any type of mandate. Anything that you know, we're not 
we shouldn't be a restrictive society. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not our that's not our foundations. And um, I would I would rather see um, the governor and legislature and that type of stuff be more of an advisory than a tell me what to do type of agencies. So I would say that I would leave it to the county health department whether we would we should wear masks or not, and then only make it suggestible and not mandatable. Okay, very good. Uh, the Dixie name. Now, you've only been here seven years, but you've probably, I'm sure, become very uh, aware that the name Dixie is important to a lot of people that live in this community. But there are voices out there that say the Dixie name is offensive to outsiders. What is your feeling? What is your take on the name Dixie? Well, I love the name Dixie. Um, and I don't see why we should change it, whether it's for people moving here from other places or or not, or people that's lived here all their lives. Um, it's a name. It's been here for um, generations, and it should stay that way. All right. Well said. Well said. Uh, education in Utah is uh, uh, per student spending is pretty low. We have a lot of kids here in Utah. That's part of the reasoning b- b- behind that. We've tested okay. I think what 14th in the nation or something like that. Uh, but we do spend uh, less money per pupil than just about every state uh, in the entire union. Is that something that needs to change? Do you think? Well, I think maybe we can enhance um, education. Um, and with enhancing, I don't mean we should just throw a bunch of money at it. Um, we should throw money um, at education, but we should try other other avenues, um, you know, like private education and, um, you know, homeschools and that kind of stuff as well as just public education. People should have a right to choose um, what they want to do. Um, my kids benefit a great deal from, from this county, from the, coming from Nevada schools, and uh, they were real successful when they got here. Um, so we're doing something right and we shouldn't change too much to, uh, to change that. We're talking with Robert Love, who is running for County Commission seat C challenging incumbent, uh, Dean Cox. Uh, a lot has been made on both sides, uh, and even from independents about the mail in ballots. What, what is your opinion? Is that helping either side or is that, is that something that we should be worried that where there could be criminal activity there? Well, I think it leaves an opportunity open for that and like i used to tell people when i was in law enforcement is if you have if you leave opportunity for somebody to do something chances are they'll do it yeah especially if there's money on the line right (laughs) or power or power yeah (laughs) Uh, all right let's talk a a little bit about uh you know as a former law enforcement officer you're probably hyper aware that you know when there's gatherings of people sometimes it can turn violent the black lives matter movement has had many, many peaceful protests, but also some violent ones. Uh, they contend, a lot of the BLM leaders, that uh, America is systemically racist. What's your, what are your thoughts on the matter? Well, they're, they're a Marxist organization, and so they have their own agendas. Um, I'm uh, biracial, so I have Native American and Latino um, in my blood, as well as Caucasian. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see... I don't see why they would they would want to try to advance their cause by being violent. To me, that's violence is silence, and um, you just you discredit yourself when you do that. Um, so I am sympathetic to their cause, but at the same time, you know, because they, they have a right to do it. But at the same time, there's no need for violence. 
Your uh, your opponent, Dean Cox, uh, said the number one issue facing uh, southern Utah right now, and Washington County in particular, is growth. Uh, is there anything we can do about growth? Is that something that's good? You know, is, is it something that, that we need to try to control? What do you think, Robert? Well, I, I'd like to, I mean, I, I believe, I agree with him partially. Um, and what I mean by that is I believe he said something about crime, and we do need to, mm-hmm. we do need to, do need to be hyper vigilant about crime um, as well because we, with more people comes more crime. Um, it also comes more other issues like politics and so on and so forth. So that's why things like the Second Amendment sanctuary, if we get that in place, then they can't be changed by new people coming in and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, we just we change change is good. Change is very good for the county for the area. Um, and growth is good too. We just have to be careful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Change, change can be good. It's a little bit scary, though. I think in a community like St. George, that has been, uh, where really has a, has had been has been a small town and had a small town feel for a long, long time. That you know, there are some growing pains involved for sure. Right, Robert? Right. Absolutely. All right. Uh, anything else you want to mention before I let you go? We got about about a minute left in your ten minutes. Well, like I said, um, I really would like to push the Second Amendment sanctuary, and I'd love to see if the sheriff would would buy on to that as well, um, because I think that that would make the process go with his support um, a lot more uh, forward. And so I would love to see that kind of happen as well. Um, and I just I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk on your show today and for having me, and I just Say God bless everybody, and thank you. Thank you, Robert. Great to talk to you today, and good luck with the election. Thank you very much. He's Robert Love, again, running for County Commission C. He is challenging the incumbent. That's always a tough deal to challenge the incumbent. Uh, Dean Cox had both of those on here in the last half hour. Half hour. It's been great to have them on. And we're continuing our look at candidates here on the Andy Griffin Show. Uh, so far, really, uh, been had some great people come on, Chuck Good and Don Ibsen came on and talked about uh, State Senate seat 29. We uh, also had uh, Lowry Snow and Kenzie Carter on yesterday as they talked about State House uh, seat 74 or, re- or District 74. Uh, Walt Brooks and Rebecca Sullivan were on earlier this morning and had a chance to talk about the State House seat 75 or District 75. And, uh, of course, just now, Dean Cox and Robert Love uh, all these shows are archived. If you want to go to 890kdxu.com and uh, just click on the podcast, uh, I get those up as soon as I can. Uh, today I have some meetings, so it might be an hour or two before they are up, but they will be up archived again on our website. Uh, coming up on Monday, let's see, we have Dunn and Pulsifer will be our two candidates who will join us on the air the first half hour. That is uh, Becky Dunn and Sadie Lee Pulsifer. And uh, so we look forward to having them on the air. Let's see. I want to get to, uh, there we go. It is a local school board, local school uh, uh, district one, Becky Dunn and Sadie Lee Pulsifer. Now the the, uh, school board uh, uh, candidacies are interesting because they were originally a couple of them unopposed. uh, And then we have some write-in candidates. Sadie Lee Pulsifer is a write-in candidate. It's always tough for a write-in candidate to win because you can't just put an X. You actually have to go in and write the name of the person that you want to vote for. But uh, Sadie Lee is going to try it. Also, 
Uh, Larry Myers in a school in District 2 is going to try a ride in candidacy, and Dave Shaw in District 3 is going to try a ride in candidacy for school board. Uh, we'll have all of them on the air next week. We'll start with, again, Becky Dunn and Sadie Lee Pulsifer uh, on Monday. Uh, let me look at my check my schedule. Uh, and then uh, Larry Myers and Chase uh, or Craig Segmiller on Monday uh, in the 930 segment of the show. And then on Wednesday, Daniel Nielsen, Terry Hutchinson, and Dave Shaw scheduled to be on the show. As we continue to discuss the candidates, it's time to vote, folks.